0: It's time for episode 200 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, August 2nd, 2017. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes, or your pizza
1: is free.
0: Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that's logged 100 hours. I'm Dan Moran. And I am joined this week by a very special Throwback Wednesday co-host, Mr. Jason (laughs) Snell. Hi, Jason.
1: Hi, Dan. It's good to be here. I like to think of myself as host emeritus for Clockwise. I'm here when you need me, and it's a very, very special occasion, because it is. It's Clockwise, number 200. How have they not stopped this podcast by now? (laughs) Well, we're short, so we get it in under the
0: wire every time. They keep thinking, like, it's like when they're trying to shut down that pirate broadcast, and like, oh, he's gone off the air. We can't find him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And we are joined by two fantastic guests to my left, You might know his voice very well from a number of other podcasts, including this one. It's our new co-host and this week's special guest, Mr. Micah Sargent. Hi, Micah.
2: Hi, Dan. You know, it's uh, nice to be to the left of you so I can just uh, elbow you whenever you say something I don't
1: like. I'm sorry we gave Jason your chair. <laughs> I, I like this configuration because we can keep Micah Sargent right between us. We're making a little <laughs> Micah sandwich. It's good. <laughs> to my left, joining us on this very uh auspicious, august occasion, it's Aline Sims.
3: Hello. Hi, I'm episode two hundred. Oh my God.
1: I know, right? And Aline, yeah. of course, you may know from her many uh her many other podcasts, including currently the very, very interesting podcast Originality on Relay FM. It's very very interesting you can use that as like a quote on the back of the, the <laughs> we, should, we should do that it's very very interesting do they do they put like little pull quotes on the cover art like because i think we should start doing that yeah. it's just uh. like a book science fiction author dan warren
0: <laughs> very much like a book um all right let's kick off today's topics uh I'm inspired by my co-host mr snell Uh, I went back and looked at the very first episode of Clockwise to see what my first topic was at the time, and hey, let's revisit this because I think it's interesting in light of where we are today. So, my question for you folks is, interacting with your computer by voice, will it ever be more than a fad? (laughs) And you can take that as computer, smartphone, other devices that didn't exist at that point? But I'm interested to know whether you think we've come uh, a long way in these last 199 episodes and if things have, in fact, changed or not. Micah, what do you think?
2: Oh, no, it's still the same. It's all a fad. Uh, no, <laughs> I kid. I So I don't use Siri on the Mac. In fact, uh, it just sits there in the, the menu bar. It used to be gone, but I, for some reason, have not toggled it off again. Um no Siri on the Mac but in terms of interacting with devices that serve as just you know voice boxes themselves I have the Google Home uh, I have the Amazon Echo and I've got of course Siri on you know my various iOS devices I use them all for various purposes and I do think that uh, it is the future of technology I think we're finally finally starting to get there and one thing that I will say that I think is one of the most interesting things is I don't think people maybe know just how much Siri can help you on your iPhone, including like, hey, will you launch the notification settings for this app? And so you don't have to go tapping and toggling all the way through to get to those things. It can pop that stuff up for you. And I think that is where we're headed, where instead of having to, you know, know how to get to different menus, I can just be like, hey, friend, can you get me to this place? And it's like, yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, as long as we get there, we are not looking at a fad.
1: You know, Dan, if I had to answer this question using the idea of computers and smartphones, which w- was what we were thinking, I think, four years ago when we talked about this, I would say uh, the jury was still out a little bit. I mean, I think in the long run, talking to your computer is going to be real. So yes, will there? will it ever be more than a fad? Yeah. But right now, the results aren't looking great, except, you know, I have an Amazon Echo in my house and I use that a lot, but that's not a computer. And uh, there's a story that I read that TiVo may be coming out with a voice remote, and I have a TiVo. Uh, Of course, there's the Siri remote, and there are a lot of things I don't like about the Apple TV remote, but I do kind of like the fact that uh, I can talk to it in certain contexts, and it's very useful. So, I think the answer overall is, interacting with stuff by voice is going to be more than a fad. It's already becoming so. uh, And it it eventually will be realized over time, but I think what this tells us is maybe um, computers, as we think of them, now have interfaces that they were built around, and voice wasn't one of them. And now we're starting to see a wave of products where voice is more integrated into what they do. And I that is the direction that the future lies in. So like the Mac, I don't use my voice uh, to control it really at all. And my iPad, basically never. My iPhone, sometimes when I need to it. And then I use uh, uh, the Echo all the time. So uh, voice interface, yes. To drive traditional computer-type devices, I don't know. I feel like that's not what they were made for. So I think that's how I would differentiate between the two.
3: Yeah, I I kind of agree that... I. Th- I do think that it's going to get there eventually, like, and Star Trek has promised me that we will be talking to our computers and having, like, them do very complicated things, right? And I believe in the future of Star Trek, Uh, but we are definitely not there yet. Uh, I've kind of been thinking about my own usage of things, and yeah, I have an Echo, I have... uh, you know Siri on all of my devices really and I still mostly use all of that things to all of those things to play music set timers and add things to my shopping list like <laughs> so that's the extent of it for me and I wonder if it's one of these generational things that people like me, you know, in our, maybe in our 30s kind of feel silly talking to our devices like that. Um, and that maybe it'll take, you know, the youngsters taking over the world (laughs) before it really becomes a things, a thing that they don't feel self-conscious about. And also just the technology, the AI has a way to go before it really becomes even marginally useful. You know, I, I, try turning on lights in two rooms if you have hue bulbs like you can't do it try you know if you don't if you don't parse if you don't say a command properly it can't parse it and so we're not at a point where natural language is good enough in these devices that it's it's there but i think it will get there
0: i think a lot of you have sort of hit uh, hit the nail on the head with this jason i think particularly your point about um, the way that computers used to be, uh, their how their UI was designed and how their operating systems were designed and voice wasn't the way to interact with it. I think it's very telling that most of us do have some form of Echo or Google Home and that we feel much more comfortable dealing with that via voice interface than with our traditional, uh, certainly with our traditional computers and even our smartphones and iPads. And I think it's interesting because I I see a great analog here to touch. Before the advent of touch-based smartphones and tablets, that was kind of a novelty, right? The idea of like having a touch-interactive computer, because it wasn't really designed for it. It took the rise of a native touch interface to grow up and basically come into its own for us to feel very comfortable. And at that point, it really took off. In the same way, I feel like it's taken... Devices specifically designed around voice to come up before people felt really confident um, using those, using that as an interaction model. But we have come a long way, uh, even in the last couple hundred episodes, uh, you know, in talking about this. And, and it certainly seems more prevalent than it did then. So I think we're well on our way. Thanks for your thoughts on that. Let's go to our second topic, which comes from Micah.
2: So, some uh, HomePod firmware walked into a bar and (laughs) was left there. No, uh, Apple shipped some HomePod firmware earlier than it was supposed to be shipped, obviously, and the internet went digging um, and found some interesting tidbits within the HomePod firmware, including what may very well be and likely is a glimpse at uh, the next premium, awesome iPhone that's supposed to be coming out. Now, I am curious what you think of the next iPhone based on this tiny little image Um, and like really talking about kind of the screen shape and the little weird uh, blip at the top. And uh, if if this is possibly based again on this 2D image, the iPhone for you, Jason.
1: I'm imagining uh, Phil Schiller coming out on stage and saying, "Now, one of the things you may notice about this is this really weird blip in the top, <laughs> <laughs> but that thing, whatever it is, where the, where all the sensors are, I it's, uh, a lot of speculation I've seen out there. Steve Trouton Smith, who is the guy who, who uh, was uh, one of the people digging through that firmware and finding this stuff, had some theories about it uh, that I thought were interesting. Alan Pike, the developer who I, I believe has been on clockwise before has uh, had some se- theories too. So I like the idea that maybe um, the status bar is going to become a little different and a little more intelligent. And you're going to get like battery information on the right side of the weird little blip. And you're going to get uh, <laughs> cellular data on the left, on the left, uh, Uh, where the clock goes I don't know although there are some rumors that Apple's going to use the very bottom of that screen as a status area so you might actually see uh, a clock down there along with or even inside I think is what Alan Pike's mock-up showed inside the virtual home button that will appear at the bottom in the place where we normally have a home button today and then you could put other stuff down there there are a lot of buttons that are at the top of the screen that uh, you have to really reach with your hand or you have to Use a second, you know, hold in one hand and tap with the other to get way up on the screen to like an edit button or a back button. Imagine if those all also migrated down into that virtual uh, home button area right next to the home button. Could be a really interesting way, much more friendly for, you know, your thumb to use apps. So I think that would be potentially very interesting a, a way of Apple to kind of rethink, revisit what uh, iPhones should look like, uh, working around the fact that they've got to have a big bunch of sensors on the front and they can't hide those yet
3: i have put zero thought into this actually um mm-hmm. y- you know i am at a point in my life where i don't have to pay attention to the rumors so much so i don't and i just kind of trust that apple's gonna figure it out and give me the thing i'm gonna buy it whether i'm skeptical about it or not you know i'm on the the upgrade program so <laughs> i'm i'm literally i i haven't I haven't thought about it yet, and I'm so far behind on podcasts, I haven't even had anyone to spark that thought since that firmware was released. So, um, I'm on board for any changes they want to make. You know, every time I'm skeptical, they, not every time, okay, not every time, a lot of the times when I'm skeptical, um, I am the one who is wrong, and I adapt, and so I've decided I'm just going to go with this and see what happens.
0: I mean, why does anybody need a clock on their iPhone screen when you're wearing an Apple watch? Obviously, you just get rid of the clock clearly. Um, I also think Jason it's going to be there are probably going to be some Android people laughing at us when we're like, "Yeah, back button down at the bottom of the screen. That makes perfect sense. imagine <laughs> um you know it's it's the iPhone and the form factor of it is one of those things that elicits a lot of discussion. Which is always a little funny to me, because in the grand scheme of things, even this change, which we consider a pretty big change, is fairly minor, right? It's like not like it's not like the phone's a circle now, right? <laughs> um, so you know, it, it's a testament to the fact that uh, even when you pull out like your very earliest iPhone, right, like the 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 first iPhone put to get, uh, up against an iPhone seven today. It looks different, sure, but the broad strokes are the same. I think particularly like with previous changes to long-established models, thinking of the uh, the fake home button in the iPhone 7, uh, they've shown that these things are definitely a bit of an adjustment at first, but in the end, most people do seem to adjust just fine. I'm looking forward to seeing, like as Jason speculated with Phil Schiller's comments, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing exactly how Apple presents this and what they think the story is behind it.
2: Ah, very well, very well. Um, Now, you did suggest that they get rid of the clock, but then I won't have anything to watch, and so that is a bit of a concern. (laughs) It does probably mean, though, that I won't get my beloved um, white iPhone within the first generation, and yes, I am the white device user. I love um, rose gold and uh, fight me. So yeah, that's all I have to say about that.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm glad that you are still watching the clock, Micah, because that clock will remind you... that. It is, in fact, halftime, and this week's episode of Clockwise is brought to you by our very good friends at Squarespace. Enter offer code CLOCKWISE at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Maybe you want to create an online store, or a portfolio, or even a blog. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff because Squarespace has got it covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help, and they'll let you easily and quickly grab a unique domain name. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. Squarespace plans start at just $12 per month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code clockwise to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for clockwise. We thank Squarespace for their support of clockwise and all of FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website.
1: Halftime is over. Jason, you're on deck. Uh, I'm going to, as Dan (laughs) said earlier, I'm also going to recycle my topic from clockwise number one. I will point out we did two test episodes, so sort of 202nd episode here but anyway it doesn't matter it's nobody talking about those those old episodes (laughs) don't make any sense you can uh if you go to relay.fm slash clockwise in the sidebar and scroll down there's actually an rss feed of all the old episodes that aren't on relay if you do want to listen to episode one god why would you you can (laughs) here was my topic though which is will anybody actually use a smartwatch uh and does anybody really want one uh let's check in four years later aline does anybody want a smartwatch why (laughs) watches who needs them
3: well, two and a half years into my Apple Watch, I'm still not sure if I want it, to be entirely <laughs> honest. Um, I still haven't found really my use case for it. Uh, kind of throwing back to Dan's question, I use it in the kitchen when i like, oh, I'm out of milk. Hey robot person in my watch, add milk to my shopping list. And that's really all I use it for in like a really expensive pedometer. Um, so I do think they have a use case. I do think that we will find what it is. I do think right now it's mostly for fitness type stuff for most people. Um, I think we haven't quite hit on what, what a smartwatch is for beyond you know, basic stuff. Or maybe that's just me. I don't know. But yes, people absolutely want them. Uh, We just don't know why.
0: (laughs) Science has not determined why. Well, obviously, (laughs) you need a smartwatch so that when Apple gets rid of the clock on a smartphone, you can still tell time. Right. Um, I, you know, uh, several people I know have recently acquired Apple Watches, and I found myself talking to them a lot about it and saying, you know, I really feel that it's only within the last Uh, version of software so that it's really become something that I would recommend to other people over the first couple years of the Apple Watch's existence. Certainly, I was always very hesitant. I always felt like this is great if you're sort of an early adopter and you're really into being on the cutting edge of tech and want to play around with this as a new platform, but it's not necessarily a compelling device in its own right. I think that has changed as both Apple has gotten better at, at narrowing down what exactly the watch is great at, as opposed to it can do everything. Um, And so I think that fitness, the fitness angle, though it still could use some improvements and some work, and the notifications on your wrist angle, which frankly also use some work, um, I think those still remain the most compelling arguments. But I think should we hit upon some other really compelling ideas that Apple can make those happen?
2: I started thinking about what exactly I use my Apple Watch for. And I mean, it is basically just a time teller for me it is uh, I, I look and I see the time and I say okay it is that time and then I know if I need to do something occasionally it's good for having notifications on the wrist but most of the time I'm around some other device be it iPhone or Mac or iPad that can also uh, tell me, you know, what what I need to know in terms of notifications. So I thought about it. And like the main things other than using it to tell the time that I use it for are occasionally when I'm playing music on my iPhone through external speakers of some sort that I've got connected to them, I will use it to adjust playback. So play and pause. And then the other thing that I use it for almost regularly is uh, my partner and I wake up at different times, and I inevitably forget to take my phone with me after I wake up. And so it's left there going off. And so I use my watch wherever I happen to be in the house to silence the alarm as quickly as possible so that it doesn't wake up anyone uh, before their time. So yeah, it's a remote uh, alarm stopper and a time teller. And I guess that's okay.
1: Yeah. I mean, this sounds uh, really familiar to me. I um, actually, when we did clockwise one, I already had a pebble. So I was <laughs> yeah. already in the smartwatch world, sort of uh, with a pebble anticipating the, what we called the iWatch back then, because <laughs> we didn't know any better. Um, and now, yeah, it's, it's, I do use it as a fitness tracker a little bit. I use it as a remote when I'm out, and about um, with my headphones, especially with the AirPods, it's a it's like my AirPod remote a little bit to adjust volume or change tracks or things like that um i use it to tell the time i've got a weather complication on it that is sometimes accurate and sometimes not i I think that watch os still has more work to do there but i am a watch person i not in the sense that i have like expensive watches but i've always worn a watch and so i like having the apple watch I i would miss it if it was gone but i do think that uh we will look back on this era of these smart watches these wearable devices and think they were so primitive i mean then again does it need to be more than tell the time and push notifications to your wrist uh, maybe that's all it really like needs to do to cross over that line if it if it does two or three useful things uh like the pebble back in the day maybe that's enough okay that is topic number three we have time for one more topic is that how you host this show i've forgotten aline what's your topic <laughs>
3: You sound pretty good at it to me. Um, so it's a joke that, of course, the first app when you get into any kind of development or the first program you create is Hello World. The second thing, especially when you're getting into iOS development, is you create some kind of task management app because no other task man- management app does things the way you need it. And I'm wondering, what task management system do you use, whether it's digital or something pen and paper? What what helps keep you organized?
0: So the corollary to no no task management solution does what you need it to do is nobody should use no one else should use your task management system. <laughs> so my task management system is basically a combination of I use the reminders app in ios and on my mac to actually I have a bunch of different lists that are everything from my shopping list to my personal to-do list my work to-do list and then i also use my email inbox a lot like a sort of to-do list in that i flag messages where it's like i need to respond to something or i need to take further action on this particular item um i don't file or clean my email inbox so it's currently at ooh eighty two thousand messages that's great um yeah see i knew (laughs) knew somebody would freak out about that i just don't bother i hate filing i hate deleting i'm the opposite of inbox zero i just want everything there and i can search it and find whatever i need
1: inbox infinite i am inbox infinite that's
0: right someday my inbox will take over the entire galaxy um, so yeah, that's my terrible task management system. Don't use it because it's trademarked.
2: <laughs> I love it. Oh, wow. 82,000 emails. So I <laughs> use a, a mixture of, of physical and digital uh, things to, to manage my tasks. I think whenever it comes to digital, most of the, the task management I do is not really like, I I don't break things up into tiny tasks digitally. I live and die by my calendar. And so it has, you know, all of the events that I have, including you know, my block of, of when I definitely absolutely have to be available for work, and when I'm recording podcasts and all that jazz. And a few of those are shared with my partner who never reads those, which I know, Elaine, you and I have talked about that. But <laughs> other than that, physically is kind of where I keep those smaller tasks. If I know that I'm going to forget it, if I don't do it, then I will write it down on whatever I have in front of me that can stay in front of me until I've completed the task. The one thing where that changes is I love location-based reminders. And so if in the moment I know I need to do something as soon as I get to blank, then I will Use location-based reminders to kind of say, hey, when I get back to the house right away, I need to call somebody or I need to, you know, text or or reply to a tweet or something.
1: Yeah, people who listen to some of my other podcasts know uh, this, but I'll restate it here very quickly. My... Best task management system tends to be actually calendar-based, which is if I need to do a particular thing, I will put it on my calendar and block out time. And then I know that that is the time that I need to do it. I'm assigning myself time. I'm managing my time. Like literally, you will write this article right now. And a lot of what I do is cyclical. A lot of it is very much like this week, you'll do a podcast, you will write an article, and I just can block those in as recurring events. And it it solves a lot of problems to do it that way. That said, a couple weeks ago, I had a moment where I thought, oh boy, I got a lot of different stuff to do here. And a lot of it was not recurring. And I thought, you know what? I need to try a to-do list again, because I almost never have one. And when I try, I usually fail. And so right now I'm also using Todoist, to make some basic to-do lists and uh, we'll see how it goes i i uh i I have never been able to stick with a to-do list app i'm not i don't think of my tasks in that way and the feedback that i've gotten from everybody including Aline, i think is how is that possible that you are a functioning human being (laughs) without keeping track of your tasks (laughs) and i can't answer that question perhaps you think i'm more functional than i am anyway that's my story (laughs)
3: So, so I've really been like the last six weeks have been dedicating a lot of time to figuring out something that works for me. And I've tried all of the apps, which are amazing apps, all the great apps, I've tried them. And for whatever reason, typing it in on my phone or my Mac, it just doesn't work for me. So I decided to start a bullet journal. So, basically, what my system is right now is if it has a date and time attached to it, it goes into the calendar that I share with my husband that he doesn't look at. Um, And also, travel goes in there. So, if I know, you know, last week I was in Chicago, so I had a recurring, like, week-long event for being in Chicago. Um, I use Habitica for Mm -hmm. the things that are recurring just because I have friends who are also there and we slay monsters and you know the gamification of doing things is great and then um pretty much everything else is going in my bullet journal and basically all that looks like for me at this point is just like an ongoing list and each day I kind of transfer the list over to the next day but it helps reinforce one I, I like paper and pens um I'm one of those fountain pen people Two, the repetitive nature, like, do I really want to write fold laundry again? Like, that kind of gives me some incentive to actually do things so I can stop writing it because that gets a little bit boring. And three, it just has always seemed to work better with my brain. I already had, I did this before I would get a piece of, uh, just a sheet of paper, I would write down my list, I would cross things off, and when that got too cluttered to see anything, I would get a new sheet out. It seems to be working pretty well for me, and I'm feeling pretty, pretty good about where I am right now
0: excellent well that is four topics well done good thoughts on all of them and that means we have just enough time for a bonus topic brought to you this week by ting ting is a mobile phone service that wants to help you save money ting believes you should only pay for what you use and with prices like ten dollars per gigabyte of data the average ting customer pays just 23 dollars a month per phone if you're in the u.s and you use a cell phone you'll love what the guys over at ting can do for you Ting doesn't believe in contracts, overage fees, or unlimited plans with tons of catches. They have top-rated, no-hold customer support, and when you call them, you get through to a real person. They're focused on offering the best prices they can for their customers, and any savings they can make, they pass on to you. 80% of devices made in the last two years can come to Ting. They support both GSM and CDMA. They even allow you to get the latest iPhone as soon as it launches, along with AppleCare, If you're stuck in a contract right now, Ting will offer a 25% credit off your early termination fee as well. That's up to $75 per device that you bring. To get started, head over to clockwise.ting.com and use Ting's handy device checker to confirm your phone can make the move. And if you're looking to upgrade, Ting has plenty of options for you in their online shop. Listeners of this show can save $25 on selected devices or keep it as Ting credit. Once again, head to clockwise.ting.com and see how much you can save. We thank Ting for the support of this show. And now, the bonus question, which is also a
2: throwback to episode one. Woo! What are you reading, Micah? I am listening to the audiobook for The Golem and the Genie because mm. it recently uh, mm-hmm. I, I, can't, I don't know if it's just on sale or if it just recently came out, but anyway, for some reason I found the audiobook and I have been loving it. Totally go uh, it's $2 if you have a Kindle right now and you should absolutely buy this book in in actual like written words, not just audio.
1: Right now I am reading actually the last book in the Dark Tower series because we're going to do a podcast on the Incomparable about the Dark Tower. And guess what? It's 1000 pages. Pages long so I'm going to be reading it forever but I've got a vacation coming up so that's fine that's it's it's fine it's fine
3: so I just finished uh, uh, the Arcadia project book number two that I can't remember the name of right now by Michelle Baker Phantom these books are phantom pains thank you these books are so 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 good and i am yeah. going to start either listening to or reading because i have it in both formats the fifth season by nk jemisin because the last in that trilogy comes out this month and i want to be able to swim in it
0: that's actually up on my list as well uh however right now i'm finishing up uprooted by naomi Novik. Uh, which I'm oh, enjoying. So and I think we've hit the end of the show, so we should just thank our fantastic guests. Micah Sargent, you'll uh, you'll be back in your, your usual co-host chair next week, but thanks for being here as our special guest on episode
2: 200. <laughs> I'll be
3: back,
1: Dan. <laughs> thanks for having me, though. And Aline Sims, thanks for being here to celebrate the Clockwise Anniversary.
3: It was an honor.
1: All right, Dan, we did it. <laughs> Jason...
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank thank you for being here as my special co-host on episode 200. It was thank nice you. to have you back.
1: Like I said, I'm happy to be the Emeritus host. And uh, whenever you need me, just call, just uh, just break the glass on the front of the clock and pull the lever and I will appear. I think that's how <laughs> Batman gets
0: into the Batcave
1: too. So we've got to be so, or very careful.
0: Yeah. Uh, until then, though, uh, let us remind you, watch what you say and keep watching the clock.
1: Bye, everybody. Bye.